Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Horror, Wine, and Crime with KK and Lo. And welcome back to this part two episode. I hope you guys are as excited as I am to hear the rest of this story that Lo has for us. Oh, it's about to get crazy and twisty and turny, but uh, it's gonna it's gonna be a fun ish conversation. Um, it just keeps going. It's one of those. Definitely lots of craziness to it, for sure. But before we dig in deep to our crime of the day, um, first off, a big for Detroit. Wow, that was pretty. That was pretty good. Uh, trumpet noise you had going on. <laughs> Detroit did not make it. Unfortunately, we. We had a few fumbles and tumbles, and it cost us the game. But it was a pretty good game, though, I will say. Yes, it just hurt because we were in the lead for so big in the beginning, and then it took a, a twist, and then we lost by three points, and it just hurt. Or, like, was it a point or something? No, it was three. It was, I think it was three. It was super close. And it was like, yeah, in the beginning, it was like, oh, we have this. Yes. But then, yeah, no. Uh, but I'm not being bitter. I am like, you know what? We had a great season. They oh, gave yeah. it, you know, they gave it a hundred percent and we just, at the end, um, we just lost it and, but that's okay. I'm keeping it as, and we'll be back next year. We're coming back strong and just being proud of what they made Detroit this year. So for sure. And I think it'll like probably help motivate them to like, want it even more next year because they were just right there you know what i mean yes yes i'm proud Maybe of the boys the year also on my order of to talk to you guys about i can't make this shit up okay and actually this content that we're going to talk about i did not even find my husband sent it to me and i was like this has to be talked about on the show okay a Kentucky man who threw a boomerang and it flew back and hit himself in the head has sued himself for $300,000. And astonishingly, he won. I'm so confused. I'm and that he is going to get $300,000 from his insurance company. They're going to pay him that because he doesn't have the money to do it. His insurance will pay for it. So basically, this man threw a boomerang, hit himself in the face with it, went to court and sued himself, and is getting $300,000. Life hack? What the heck? I'm going to go buy a boomerang. Yeah. How did he win? That's Kentucky. I don't know. Like, what wow. judge says, okay. He must have been, the judge must have been feeling goofy that day, feeling silly. Someone you know what I mean? Knows, like, like, a best <laughs> like, I don't, I told Pat, I that's like, wild. Let me throw a baseball at your face. Sue me. Your insurance will cover it. And then we'll reconcile and get back together. Honestly, like for real. Except the only thing with that is you might get like some abuse charge or something like that. Yeah. Or like domestic violence or something. <laughs> that would be my only uh, quarrel with that. But literally, this guy was, he sounds insane, but he was thinking right. Because now he's $300,000 richer. Yeah. That's a life hack right there. Wow. It's better than the McDonald's coffee lady. Oh, it's way better. Way better. Because that one was just like, I mean, this one's ridiculous too. I was going to say ridiculous, but. That was just like annoying. This one's just insane, but also kind of cool at the same time. Right. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that, Lo. Um, we do not claim any responsibility for um, anybody throwing boomerangs at themselves moving forward. We or any other we, objects or house. any other objects. Just spread the news. We don't encourage it. <laughs> or throwing baseball at your husband's faces. They all may deserve it, but we are not recommending it. No, exactly. <laughs> do not do it. <laughs> so that was my little fun. Uh, my Lord. The luck people it. have that I don't think of. 
Yeah, super bizarre. Like with my luck, I would like hit myself with a boomerang and then like lose $300,000 at the same time. I know, I'm just thinking when I go out of here, maybe just like fall down my own stairs. They're carpeted. I won't get hurt that much. Like, I don't know. Right. Yeah. Always thinking, hmm, super weird. Worst case scenario, I get a couple days in the hospital away from the kids and vacation. It's like a little vacation. <laughs> That's so sad. <laughs> um, Side note, have you seen um, the documentary series on Netflix, um, American Nightmare? Yes, I did watch that. Very, very good. I liked that a lot. I did too. Um, I'm glad that it turned out that they were not faking it. Oh, yeah. And they, like, won, I forget how much it was, like, I think millions of dollars from suing that police station. And so, good on them because that would just be so frustrating. And it it is because, like, nobody, like, they just automatically assumed she was lying. Like, they didn't even try. Like, that was my issue with it was, like, Yes, it was kind of a crazy, like, bizarre story, but, like, at least look into it. Like, my goodness, just don't, like, say that they're lying right away. That's, like, pure laziness on their part. Absolutely. I would never trust, like, cops again if I was her. No. Because because of the two situations she faced, except for the one amazing female hero cop that saved the day. Yes. I wanted to hug her through the TV. right so yeah that was good if you guys haven't seen that i would highly recommend that one i didn't finish it so i can't really talk about it because i just started it while i was making dinner tonight netflix and cooking um but i started one called twin flames i think Um, i heard of that i haven't seen it but i've heard of it yeah well we can maybe talk about it next week um once i finish it okay um, did you watch the Leave Me Alone? I know I'm the worst. Leave me alone. Okay. okay. I'll stop it there and we'll talk more about that when we get off air. I'll yell at you, not in public, in front of our friends. And oh, she had one job, people, and she had a week to do it. And I failed. I failed. Um, so moving on to the next business. Um, I heard today that TikTok is no longer going to be allowed to have Kanye, Lady Gaga, or Taylor Swift music. Universal is pulling it. Wow. Because they think that TikTok should be giving them some money rights to all the music that they're allowing. And also, Taylor Swift is going through some shit right now because of these AIs that are being created of her. Um, I did not hear about that. You know, those pans that they try to sell on ads? Like, we got too many of these pans. If you go to this website and get a free pan. I've never heard of this. Okay, Taylor Swift is one of Taylor Swift, is one of Selena Gomez. Um, They're AIs. They're not them. That shit's scary. And I believe that they said that there were some pictures, raunchy pictures, that looks like Taylor Swift, and it's an AI. Wow, the so, internet scares me. Yeah, she's um, Taylor Swift is going to shut down AIs here real quick. You just give her a minute; she's figuring it out. If anyone can do it, it's her. You know, I would too. Like, that, how horrible! Like that people do that; they just create these fake things of people, especially stuff like that. Yeah, man, scary shit, dude. I know. Makes me want to wipe my face from the internet. Like, what if you're walking around Myra one day and you just pass yourself? I would pass out. I don't know. I would pass out or I would take a picture with myself. I don't know which (laughs) it would be. (laughs) Depends on my mood. Okay. Okay. Uh, All of a sudden on Snapchat, me and you are doing like selfies and you're like, wait a minute. I'm not with her. How am I there? (laughs) Meanwhile, I think it's really you. I'd call you and be like, um, Lo, who are you with? I'm like, what's the secret question? <laughs> right. <laughs> Which I can't, I was about to say, but I can't disclose. Right, right. By the way, happy shout out birthday to Maddie Moore. It was technically yesterday, but happy 24, girl. Happy belated. 
Okay, so we got the wine, we got the crime, we have the time, so we're going to do this. And Lowe's got the rhymes. <laughs> I ran out, so I stopped. Okay. It worked. So if you're joining in and you didn't listen to last week's episode, you might want to go back and listen to last week um, and then come back here, just fast forward to the spot and continue on. Okay, so a quick recap. Um, we are talking about Sean Gale, Ronnie Reuter, and Marnie Yang, the love triangle entanglement love obsession that I guess turned dark somewhere. Um, Sean and Ronnie were dating, but then also Sean and Marnie were dating. It's been brought, from what I heard through some research and Dateline and some other things that Ronnie kind of knew about everybody else. Now, there are another podcast that's out there that I listened to that maybe sounded like that Marnie didn't know as much or Ronnie didn't know as much. Um, it's also been after some further research. I knew that there was multiple girls. Um, it's also been revealed that it could have been up to 18 different girls that he was seeing all at once. Um, which, where do you find the time, by the way? However, so Ronnie one morning was getting up to start her daily life. And when she opened up the door, she had a surprise visitor who had shot her in the stomach as she was seven months pregnant killing her baby and then one in the back of her head is the fatal execution shot. A lot of it was stemming from jealousy from Marnie and obsession. She wanted Sean all to herself. He did not want to be monogamous. He made that very clear. Questions had been thrown. Was it because Ronnie was pregnant? They had been together for almost 18 years. They did not live together. They were not married, but it was kind of like, oh, it's not broken. So let's not try to fix it situation either. And now there's questions. Was Sean really on board with having a baby as much as she thought? Did he really not want the baby? Did he not do this at all? We played a clip of him sounding very upset of the news. I think it sounds legit, but is also he a very good actor? So those are kind of the things we talked about last week. And then we're going to keep going into the case this week. And then we'll talk about it and we'll see where it lies. So last week we left it as in her best friend, Marnie's best friend, Christy, was a having lunch with Marnie at Denny's and she was wired up and they were having a conversation about what happened and how it happened. Marnie admitted that she put on a dark wig, oversized glasses, some black makeup, a dark hoodie, and shot her with a nine millimeter Beretta um, that it was buried in a bucket of cement that she had dumped in a dumpster. And that was kind of the last that we heard. Um, there was a lot of evidence that was starting to build up. Um, she had rented a car. It was apparently she got a light blue car first, but she took it back to Enterprise and was like, this car is too light. I need a darker one. So she got a dark blue Volkswagen Rabbit. I think it was Volkswagen. Mm -hmm. And um, that's the one she ended up using. Um, there was some evidence where a police officer was having an affair with Marnie. And then when his wife got pregnant, Marnie threw a fit and got crazy. And he ended up retiring from that station, packed his stuff, and they moved. Um, 
gets hearsay, can't prove it, but that was some other stuff. And that was kind of why, how the police got to like, hey, you might want to check out Marnie Yang. So that's what kind of turned their lights towards Marnie instead of Sean. So she says that when Ronnie opened up the door, she started screaming. I took the first shot. I remember screaming at that point because I realized we are now at the point of no return. And any thoughts about turning back can't happen. We have to finish it now. And she claims that she started emptying the shots into her. She describes how Ronnie started to stumble backwards. She fell into the kitchen, bounced off the counter and onto the floor. And Ronnie was trying to cradle her stomach as if she was trying to protect the baby. She quotes, I took one, she took one good kick at me. She got me good in the shin, but I was like, that's kind of weak. And by that time she fell, I did one last shot to her head to finish her off. And then I took off. I had to close the door behind me. Her leg was still sticking out into the hallway and I had to actually kick it back inside. I slammed the door and took off and that was it. 17 months after it finally starts to come to an end, the police take everything they got into consideration and they decided they're going to get a warrant. So the next morning they drive to Marnie's house and they actually pull out her garbage cans that are in front of her garage and they start to go through the, some of them and they tell her that she is under arrest. She asks for what? And we all know, come on, Marnie. You know why? Because you're a despicable human who does not deserve to see the day of light or freedom ever again. And hopefully she gets a very slowly, painful, long prison life. I yeah, never for someone... As I was say, I never wish the death penalty on people because I feel like they, they get out of it. If you kill them, they don't have to suffer. And when you do mm -hmm. hurt um such heinous crimes, I feel like you need to suffer slowly in prison. Yeah, like, to do something so horrible, like, not only to Ronnie, who did not deserve it at all, because she was his longtime girlfriend and she did nothing wrong, but also, the, the like, the unborn baby, that's just gross. Yeah, absolutely. So... Marnie went into it pleading not guilty. She had multiple counts of first-degree murder stacked against her for Ronnie and for the unborn child. The prosecutor had a long list of evidence, and it was plated beautifully. It was delivered to the juries in just three hours, and they deliberated, and they found her guilty. The state called it a cold, calculated, premeditated murder. Now, the defense didn't really give a huge statement, but they did say that Marnie got an unfair trial, that there was no evidence linking her to the murder, but you have the confessions from Christy in her own words, which is hard to ignore, her kids, her best friend turned on her, the clothes. I mean, at that point, you're kind of thinking, like, what doesn't link up? Like, Right. Sean at first didn't give much of a statement, but after the trial and everything was over, he did say that he was very sad and that Ronnie is not here and that he will live the rest of his life knowing that he should have a three-year-old right now. And how he didn't know what Marnie was capable of or, you know, that being involved with her would lead to this deadly mistake. They say that Marnie really thought that she had a beat all up until Christy and all the evidence poured through, her look kind of changed from, like, cocky to scared. Ronnie's family found justice and was relieved on that, but the pain of missing her will never go away. Marnie Yang received two life sentences for the murders of Ronnie and her unborn child, Skylar. She is not eligible for parole. Now, 
Ronnie's family did say that they never did see Sean, even when Ronnie was alive. They never see him. They said that he never came around. He really didn't do family functions. They would ask Ronnie about it, and she just said he's a private person. He doesn't like like a lot of attention. Um, he had other girlfriends. She knew about it, but she didn't care, at least not enough to leave him. Yang, she got convicted in 2011. Prosecutors argued that Yang was in a jealous rage, but her attorneys say there is new evidence and they claim that Yang's confession was coerced. The more I examine this case, the more I'm convinced of her innocence, said her attorney, Jed Stone. Judge Christopher Stride agreed to allow a rehearing on several pieces of evidence, but he set another hearing in two months to determine whether the court will reconsider some of the forensic evidence and Yang's recorded confession to her friend. Her defense team claims that the confession was coerced and the forensic evidence clearly shows that she's innocent. However, prosecutor Jason Humke said that he is over, has overwhelming evidence that Yang is guilty and there is no reason for a new hearing. Now, Yang's father and two children were, were in court and the judge allowed them to meet briefly after the hearing. It felt good. Everything is coming out now. It's like a breath of fresh air at the same time, said Andrew Yang, her son. Yang's attorney said that he's glad for a new hearing on several issues and he has raised suggestions that she's innocent and he hopes the judge will allow the arguments on the forensic evidence like fingerprints. He said it will prove that Yang could not have committed that murder. They're going to say that science proves that she could not have committed that crime and the evidence points to another suspect. The judge is set for the next hearing for late January to announce his decision whether to reconsider Yang's confession for the evidence or not. Um, I thought this was kind of weird because the kids in the beginning were like, hey, um, she forced my brother to lie. She told my brother to lie, um, which we're going to talk about that in a, in a few minutes. Um, but now they're kind of, they're older now. So now their stories are starting to change a little bit. Um, it is super weird because it's like it it seemed so like laid out mm -hmm. at first, but then it's kind of like, okay, wait, what's the actual truth? Because things are like changing and the story's changing. Me and Crystal are gonna dive into that in a few minutes. Uh, Marnie claims that in 2022 interview that she had with her lawyer on CBS that she knew Christy was wearing a wire. So she gave a false confession in hopes to take the blame and take the heat off of them pushing to arrest her kids, which I don't feel like that was a thing, but maybe, maybe media missed some. Um, as far as I know, the kids helped put her away. But then again, like I said, something has kind of came into light. Um, since the last recording, we found some more stuff. So we're going to talk about that. Um, she claims to go on that she has depression. She can't crawl out of this hole that she's in. And, um, is she just gets these dark places. And then it says Marty's Yang's attorney. Um, they probe into the ex bear Sean Gale's girlfriend and then questioning her alibi and talking about her. So the attorney is also wanting to add in the fact that there's some evidence showing the civilians' videos of the parking lot uh, of Gail um, coming there at 1032. Um, he was supposedly getting a haircut, though. I don't know. There's some alibi evidence for Sean Gail. So we're going to kind of um, talk about some of that stuff because it doesn't make sense. And as of now, he is just like living life on uh, TV for like a 
like an ESPN news sports reporter co-host, I think. So he's he's living good, basically. Yeah, his hands have been uh, have been washed. Yeah. After doing some, you know, more research on the story, and I want to, we'll give a shout out to Miss Maggie Freeling. I believe that's how you say her name. Anyway, she hosts a podcast called Wrongful Convictions, and I happened to come across that, and I has her talking to Marnie and Marnie's lawyer and some of the stuff that they talked about and it kind of makes you really question like is this like a an OJ case all over again like did we get it wrong like is Marnie actually innocent like did she legitimately take the fall for this um because they had some very compelling evidence of how she could possibly be innocent after all this. It is super like conflicting. Cause like I listened to this podcast that Lo was talking about as well. And like, when you hear that, you're kind of like convinced a little bit more like, Oh, maybe she didn't do it because like, there are so many things that will go into that, like kind of go against her being the one to do it. But then when you listen to like the original thing, it's like, well, one, why would she like, confess and like have this elaborate story and like I don't know it's just very like I don't know what to believe really so if you go back to the beginning of our story or the beginning of the Marnie part it talks about like so we'll start with her kids um they noticed that her kid wasn't, her son wasn't in school that day, which he admitted he stayed home sick. He didn't lie about it. He did say at first that his mom stayed home with him. And then he saw the stuff on the news and he got like, oh my God, did my mom actually, was she a part of this? But then when you listen to wrongful conviction, it talks about the son, the kids are older now. And they're like, they just kept pushing me and pushing and pushing, saying that they were going to arrest us and they were going to pin it on either Andrew or they were going to pin it on Marnie. And I mean, they're kids at the time. So they're saying that these prosecutors and lawyers are just like making them say what they want to hear. Um, at one point, they dangled the daughter's biological dad in front of her, saying, we'll find him and you can have, she hadn't seen him in eight years, and she just wanted her dad. So she wrote three different confession letters, and they kept throwing them away, saying it wasn't good enough, write us a better one. Um, so it was almost like they had to say what they wanted her to say. I think that's so horrible like to do to anyone to try to like coerce any type of confession but especially to children I think that that's especially cruel and it's just like for what don't you want to know the truth like why are you trying to trick people into like saying something that's not true yeah and they got scared so maybe they did say what they said or they said it mm -hmm. and it wasn't you know, it was manipulated. Uh, the lawyer goes on to say that this city um, is known for wrongful convictions. Like there's so many people that got re-released from prison, being in it, found being innocent later in life um, because these cops did not do their full job. They just pinned it on the first person that it sounds good to match. Um, so they do have a pattern of that. So that makes you kind of think. Um, they said the way the shooting was and the way the bullets were and the way the crime scene, that you had to be a taller person to do it. And she's only five foot. So they said it's almost impossible for her to pull the trigger. 
And didn't they say there were some inconsistencies with how she described the shooting went with how like she was how Ronnie was actually shot like it didn't match up. Yeah, they said a lot of it was like it's kind of like close but it didn't it was almost like lucky guessing, you know what I mean? Like um, right. Marnie claims that she saw the wire. She knew her friend was brought into questioning. She figured it all out. So she did the confession to save her son because they were going to try to pin it on him. Which is so crazy. Why would he do that? I don't know. Like, why pin it on him? It's just my thing is, too, like, why are you crossing out Sean? so quickly but you're going after marnie's son like so random so the inconsistence with sean was he they said he always got his hair cut in the afternoon like religiously and that day he made sure he was there at 10 30 but they don't know where he was between 8 30 and 10 30 there's no alibi there's no time for him so that was the weird part. Like they're saying, oh, yeah, he was here at 1030. But where was he at before that? And why out of all the rest of the times, it's always strictly the exact same time afternoon religiously. But today it's going to be in the morning. Right. It's like on all days, that's the day he decides to switch things up. And multiple witnesses, like neighbors and people who were outside, all said they saw like a six foot black man around her apartment and like going up the steps towards her apartment and like that kind of fits his description yeah i realized that she was wearing a black hoodie but i would think you can tell the difference between black clothes and a black and like, man running you know like, right like you would think like people wouldn't say he was a black man if they just saw black clothes and and I mean, he's six foot and she's only five foot that's I'm a huge say, difference yes that's not like can you know five six maybe it was five eight i don't know that's right that's pretty big gap that's like dax mm -hmm. and monica standing next to each other right like where you can obviously <laughs> see a difference like they're not nobody's gonna look at five foot marnie and say that's a six foot man you know what i mean yeah, so that kind of made you like, huh, you know, and then there were multiple um, sources saying from an interview on 2020. Now, I didn't watch 2020 interview myself, but I did hear on two different podcasts because I did listen to other podcasts on this. They did say that he had really no interest in the baby, um, not as much as I thought when I did my research. Um, Although it never really did say he was excited about it. It said she was excited about it. Right. Um, and we do know Marnie was kind of bitter that she was pregnant. But she said it was more because he didn't want anything to do with Marnie's kids. She had three kids and he didn't want a relationship with them. He didn't really want anything to do with them. And then finding out that he was going to be a dad, she did kind of like get stung a little bit. And, you know, she did make the joke like, oh, I guess not everybody has to wear condoms, huh? And it pissed him off. Um, so, you know, there are some stuff that she admitted like, yeah, I was pissed. But um, she makes it sound like she wasn't as obsessed as what the police are making it sound like she was. Yeah. Um, it was all just about. You know, her kids, they said there was no fingerprints linking her. There was no evidence really linking her there. She did admit to looking up these other women on her computer because she was trying to warn them about him and like how many different people he was seeing and all this stuff. So she admit that did look bad, but. I don't think that's that crazy if, like, you're dating someone and you know he's dating other people. I don't think it's that crazy to, like, look up the other people. I feel like so many people do that. Yeah. I so, get in her case, like, with everything else stacked against her, it might, like, look suspicious. But that thing alone, I feel like, isn't that, like, jarring to hear. And didn't she receive a letter also? She said she did, yeah. Yeah, so 
I don't know. Sean's looking real sus to me. Yeah, so I don't know if they're going to actually reopen this case or not. I don't think it's actually said yet. It sounds mm -hmm. like they're leaning towards maybe giving her a new trial. Um, but her lawyer seems to really think like if they they give her another go around that she will be proven wrongful convicted. Um, now, I'm not saying that Sean did do it. He could have hired somebody for all we know. I mean, that's right. not funny. But I don't think his hands are as clean as he was making it. I do feel like maybe America got duped. And being a football player, is he like the America sweetheart football player? Because, you know, people love football, you know? Mm -hmm. So, like, did he get a little bit of a pass because he's some type of public figure, you know? So there's mm -hmm. some, like... Uh, OJ Simpson privilege vibe. that comes with that yeah very very similar vibes if that's the case which we all know OJ is in prison but karma not for murder but he ended up making it to prison eventually yeah caught wrong up to him <laughs> wrong reasons though right um so if you listen to our podcast or you know the story I would recommend listening to wrongful conviction by Maggie. Um, it was very interesting to hear the rebuttals. Um, it talks about how Marnie is, um, I think she said she's like a math teacher in prison right now. So she sounds yeah. like she's kind of a stellar prison person. Um, so... Yeah, I yeah, would definitely listen to that. It it for sure changed my perspective on the whole story. Like when I listened to it, I was like, "What?" Yeah, I'm kind of like down the middle. Like I, it's one of these things. Like I really don't know. You know, like Same. is she really good at playing the sweet little innocent? You know, because I go back and look at like, okay, the cement gun was in the dumpster. Um, her friend knew where all the evidence was. So how do we, how do we explain that? Like, right. Yeah. It's like so wishy-washy. Honestly, she could have hired someone too. It's very possible. I don't know. Were they in it together maybe? Know. And then he blamed her you know, she That's took the That's true, fall. too. Dang, this is getting deeper and deeper. I know. I know. Oh, and I just want to know the answer. But I don't know if we'll ever know. It might be one of those cases where it's like, he said, she said, they're not going to look that much further into it, case closed type deal. So who knows? But do you know who is coming back to light? Scott Peterson. Have you heard really? of that? No, um, I didn't hear the update. Somebody picked up his uh, case and they're trying to do a wrongful conviction on him. There's going to be a whole thing. See, I'm, I'm kind of with that one. I'm also, and I don't want to go on a, obviously a rant because that's not the story, but I'm split on that too. Like, I don't know, but I'm. I really kind of was like with that owl theory. I was kind of like that kind of makes a lot of sense. If you remember from. Yeah, it was like one of the after last episodes, like bonus episode type thing where they go over the owl theory. Um, And I haven't watched it in a very long time, so I might. Why do I not remember the owl? They think there was like an owl in the house. Scott Peterson, you're wrong. You're thinking of the stairway staircase killer. <laughs> Isn't that his name, Scott Peterson? Scott Peterson was the one that killed his wife, an unborn child. They found them in the river on Christmas Eve. Oh my gosh. Wasn't Lacey, this guy named Peterson too? Scott Peterson and Lacey Peterson. Dude, I'm on the totally opposite story of you. <laughs> Do you know who I'm talking about now? Yes, but I'm pretty sure that guy's name is Peterson, too, so that's why I was thinking that. Possible. 
But yes, right. the one you're talking about, they think she went upstairs and an owl got in the house or whatever and made her fall down the stairs. Yeah, like clipped her head it, with its nails. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, sorry, people, I'm on a totally different page. No, Lacey Peterson was, she went out and walked her dog. And yes, then okay. was murdered. And they, they're trying to say like because of the houses that were burglarized down the street she might have saw something she shouldn't have and oh. like maybe that's what Someone happened came so, after her. and that he he really didn't like it doesn't look good for him because he like bleached his hair and he had that long affair with the blonde chick and like all that yeah. stuff so they're think they're trying to reopen his case okay and prove that he honestly didn't do it i wonder hmm. which i always thought he did i was like 100 he did it blah 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 but then i listened to i think it's called the prosecutors or somebody was talking about it and they were given some compelling like well you know but this but that you know they were like doing like both sides of it yeah. um you're thinking of michael peterson he's the staircase guy. okay Yes, you said Peterson, and it was actually funny because my mom and sister were talking about that, the staircase. Literally, okay. I saw them on Monday, and we were talking about it, so I think that was just fresh on my mind. <laughs> okay. No, I guess I should have. I, when I said Peterson, I always think Scott immediately, so I guess I... No, no, I think literally just because we were talking about it, it was fresh on my mind, but yeah, no, that one's definitely a... I feel like that one's a more popular case anyways. So I feel like Scott Peterson's going to be brought back into the limelight here in a few. I am so curious about that. Wow. If they reopen it. That's crazy. But Crystal has, uh, I guess, keeping it on the, the football track. Um, we will keep you informed as we stay informed with Marnie and Sean. Um, I'm looking at a picture of Sean now, and I do feel like, he could play the poor pity me face pretty easily. Um, yeah. I don't know. I am really stuck. Um, please write us in and let us know, like, what are your thoughts, opinions? Which way are you swaying? Do you think he's guilty? Do you think we have an OJ thing going on here? Or do you think she really did do it and she's just got better lawyers? I mean. Honestly, a good lawyer can make all the freaking difference. So yeah, I'm kind of your, I'm in between. Let us know your opinions because I would love to hear other people's theories. Or is there a theory that you're thinking that we haven't spun that could also be a very strong possibility? Yeah, send us your ideas. I am a hundred percent curious. And I am curious if they're gonna reopen this case and kind of investigate it further. But uh, Crystal's going to tell us about some other football crimes. Yep, I, yep, I got a, a little mini crime story for today. Uh, it comes from the Tennessean, and it kind of sticks to the sports theme to continue on that. Um, this took place in 2009 on the 4th of July. So... On that night, the body of football legend Steve McNair was found in a condo in Nashville, Tennessee. He was a big family man. He was married. Um, and it says he was killed by his girlfriend in an apartment, or excuse me, in the condo from a murder-suicide. And it kind of just shook the Nashville area, um, and honestly, just the nation, because he was pretty well known in the sports world. Um, but actually, for years, there were a lot of conspiracy theories and rumors about what people think actually happened. They don't think it was just as cut and dry as they kind of laid it out at first. So the former Tennessee Titans quarterback, quarterback Steve McNair, he... Um, was killed, like I had said, in an apparent murder-suicide with a young woman who worked at an Opry Mills restaurant. Um, 
and had been dating him for months. McNair, he was kind of known as like a hometown hero. He did a lot of charity work in Nashville. Um, He had several gunshot wounds, including one to the head. He was found on the sofa of a 2nd Avenue area condo that he had rented, police said. Sahel Kazimi, who was 20 years old, was found on the floor near him with a single gunshot wound to her head. Um, And then the pistol was found near her body. So looking right at it, you would think, obviously, murder-suicide. Metro Police spokesman Don Aaron said that investigators were not actively looking for suspects. Um, They didn't rule out any scenarios. But um, he stopped short of calling it a murder-suicide, but the police should be able to classify the deaths um, after autopsies and forensic work. He says, we expect to make additional conclusions after the autopsy process. So, though much of the attention was on this crime scene, Police also swarmed Kazimi's apartment, who was his girlfriend, um, which was at the Cherry Creek Complex on Saturday. They questioned neighbors who said that they often saw McNair visiting her. um, And sometimes the neighbor said that she would arrive home in a limousine in the early morning. I'm like, okay, girl, flashy. Bougie. (laughs) Bougie. Uh, They also said that they heard quite a few arguments between her and her boyfriend. Most recently, she had a new black car that she said was a gift from her boyfriend. She was arrested in that car, which was a black 2007 Cadillac Escalade, which was registered to her and to Steve. Um, But she did get arrested just two days before the deaths. She was charged with driving under the influence and she refused to take a breathalyzer. She told police that she was not drunk, but she was high. Which I'm like, if you are saying that you're not drunk, then why not take the breathalyzer? So that kind of makes me think that she was drunk, but you know. Either way, one is better than the other, my friend. Yeah, exactly. Um, And actually, Steve was in the car, which that fact was not in the police affidavit, but was confirmed by police Saturday night. So that's kind of weird. They didn't include that he was in the car, but who knows? Maybe it was just something they missed when typing it out. But police did allow him to take a cab home, and he did later bail her out of jail, um, according to a bail bondsman. Now, her ex-boyfriend kind of comes into play in the story, too. Oh, they all do. They all do. Yep. So. (laughs) Love triangles. Yep. Another theme of the main story of today. (laughs) So, Keith Norfleet, um, he dated Kazemi for four years before they broke up uh, five months prior to this. He says that he was worried about her dating Steve McNair because, I mean, he was a married man. Um, She met Steve while she was a waitress at Dave & Buster's. Um, And Keith said that he moved here with Kazemi from Jacksonville, Florida, which is where her family lives. She was raised by a sister. Her mother, who was a native of Iran, was murdered when she was nine, which is really sad. Keith says she is the sweetest girl and she did not deserve this. Um, He was making her believe that they were going to be together and everything would be perfect. Keith said that they had been speaking a lot recently and she planned to break it off with McNair. He said that she banged on his apartment door early Saturday morning but she left before he could get to the door. Um, And I guess he spent a lot of the afternoon that day looking for her, trying to find out if she was the woman who died with him. I think it's kind of weird that 
he says she was like knocking on his door that morning when all of that happened. So I don't know if she was just kind of like going through like a manic episode trying to like sort out her feelings or if if it was something else. I don't know. People make up, break up, you know. I hate you. I oh, love yeah. You. Back and forth, all that. Get the hell out of here. Um, Where are you going? <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, he says that she was a very strong, independent girl and a hard worker. Um, and he apparently was hoping to get back together with her. He says she had a huge heart and she was very caring and loving. So I don't know if the situation was that she, I, it sounds that she like left him for Steve. And I don't know if it's because he was this big football star and it was like almost exciting to her or something. But I don't know, kind of like raises some red flags. Well, if she's bougie, so, who's going to make it more bougie than having a NFL? That's what I'm saying. Favorite. Sadly, Keith can't have her roll up in a limousine every night. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, there are no Taylor Swift and Kelsey, but, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, neighbors said that she had turned 20 just a few weeks ago and described her as a friendly, fun-loving um, person, but they said that she was kind of naive about some things. She was known as Jenny to her friends. Jenny from the block? I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I, was, I was waiting for it. I'm still, I'm still. <laughs> because I thought the same thing, and then I'm like, Lo's going to say it. Now, Tony... Ferrani, who was the general manager at the Dave and Buster's that she worked at, said that Steve frequently came into the restaurant, often bringing several people. Um, and he said he wouldn't be surprised if that's where they met. I'm sure that's where they met if she was working there and he went there all the time. Um, he described Kazemi as a solid employee, workaholic with high energy. And he says this was like extremely unexpected i think like the gist of it is that from what everyone says she seemed like such a sweet you know personable girl who like had her stuff together she was you know a hard worker and she was determined and all of this stuff so like the shock of like thinking she murdered him and then killed herself was just kind of like so bizarre to people to like wrap their heads around. Now, police said that Wayne Neely, who was a longtime friend of Steve's, who rented the condo with him, was the one that discovered the bodies in the condo shortly before 1 p.m. Neely told police that he saw McNair on the sofa and Kazemi on the floor when he walked in. But at first, he didn't recognize that anything was wrong. Um, he says he walked into the kitchen and when he walked out again, he saw the blood. So he immediately called his friend Robert Gaddy, who made a 911 call to the police. Gaddy says it was like something you might imagine seeing on TV or in the movies. But never imagine you would see it firsthand to have that happen to someone you love. I'm still shook up. When I walked in, I knew it immediately. Something was wrong. I didn't have to touch him. I called 911 and told them that they needed to get there. I was holding my breath and hoping it wasn't true. I didn't want to touch him, but I saw blood on my best friend. And I was almost panic like panicking myself. It looked like he was gone and I didn't want to believe it. And police said Saturday that they didn't know exactly when the shootings occurred. Uh, they did not release the name of the woman, so Kazemi, until late Saturday night, saying that they first wanted to contact the relatives, which is very good on them because I feel like a lot of stories recently we've had people find out through the media 
about things. And I just think that that was good on the police to not release that info until they got a hold of like family members. So early on, as speculation grew about the woman's identity, police said that the victim was not his wife, Michelle McNair, um, and the mother of his um, sons. Michelle was at the family's home in Green Hills on Saturday, and she did not speak to the media at all. A neighbor of the McNairs, Sandra Paschal, said that she didn't know what to expect when a celebrity athlete moved in, but they have been wonderful neighbors. She was surprised when they recently put up their house for sale, and they listed it for about $3 million. As the news about his death trickled out, a lot of fans showed up at the downtown condo. Their sadness was definitely making it clear that he was much more than just like an athlete to the people of Nashville. Like I said, he did a lot of charity work, so he kind of like meant a lot to a lot of people around that town. And Chad Daniels, who lives near the scene, was one of the first to stop by, bringing a bouquet of flowers to show his grief. Um, and kind of as the day went on, they lit off fireworks, they took pictures, like they just kind of, uh, were showing up in support, I guess. They spoke of his death as another shocking loss in the past month. Um, I guess the previous month they just lost Michael Jackson and Farrah Fawcett, so they were like putting him up there with them as like the devastating celebrity losses or whatever. Now at a neighboring condo complex, it was roped off with crime scene tape. There was a holiday pool party that was like going crazy during this chaos of the investigation. But they thought that McNair's death was the cause of like this whole spectacle, but it was just this pool party, which was kind of crazy. So yeah, just a lot of people showed up and kind of showed up for his death. They supported his new restaurant um, and just kind of sent their thoughts and prayers to his family. Um, and the family did issue a statement through his longtime agent, Bus Cook. He says, the families of Steve McNair in Mississippi and Tennessee appreciate the concern Thoughts and prayers during this difficult time of our loss of a husband, father, and son. The family requests everyone would allow them time to mourn. The McNair family appreciates and continues to request your prayers at this time. My main question is, did the wife know that he, like, had a girlfriend on the side? Like... I don't know how much investigation went into it just because they looked, it looked like a murder-suicide, I guess. So they just ruled it as that. But people were just so shocked to hear this because, you know, they didn't think that she would do anything like that. But they didn't really investigate much as far as like her ex-boyfriend his wife the friend that found them you know they kind of just like brush it off so there's a lot of different conspiracy theories out there wondering if this was actually a murder suicide or if somebody else was involved i'm looking at the picture of jenny and she just she looks so young compared to him like I mean, oh, I guess yeah. she, she was only 20 years old. Right. Um, and obviously he was a grown man. So there was a big age gap there. So, I mean, it's possible she did. Like, what was he telling her? Was he going to leave his wife? Was, you know, who knows? You know, we're going to be together eventually, blah, blah, blah. And, or maybe he tried to break it off. And she snapped and was like, oh, hell no. You know, maybe she got so obsessed of living the lifestyle of the clothes, the jewelry, the money, the cars. In a panic, she thought it was going to end. Like, I don't know. Like, 
Right. That very, I feel like he was so young and so impressionable. Who knows what was going through her mind. And it was probably such a whirlwind too, like their whole relationship, like going from living in Florida and then moving with your boyfriend, who's I'm assuming somewhere around her age. So like they moved to Nashville and then she meets this older, famous, married football star that's like super famous around that town. I mean, famous in general around the country, but especially in Nashville. Um, and then he's giving you limousines. He's like just spoiling you and like opening up this whole new world. Like it, it, I totally could see that. Like who knows what he was saying to her and like making her think that that was her future. And then, yeah, if he tried to end it, maybe she snapped. But yeah. I don't know. I just noticed a lot of themes uh, similar to this story, somewhat to uh, the Ronnie story, because football star, the other girlfriends, the there's some exes, stuff like that. So, yeah, like you said, did the wife snap? Did she know? But something tells me that I don't know. And they had a kid, right? They, I believe they had four four kids. Okay. So something tells me that I don't think the wife would have done it, honestly, that she would have been set for money. Like, if you want to go and play with this little girl, you go do you, boo-boo. Like, me and the kids will be fine. Like, right. the child support, she would rake in. The money, she would rake in. She was married, the alimony. Like, I feel like she'd be bitter and she'd be pissed. But she was a grown woman. I feel like she'd be okay. I feel like, and I don't want to, you know, assume because we don't know. Obviously, she took her own life. But to me, it seems like the younger 20-year-old would have had more to lose than the wife. Like, the wife had more to lose versus family and children and you're destroying my household. But I feel like she would have been in a more grown mindset of like, we'll be okay. Like whatever, just get the fuck out of here. You know what I mean? Right. We're like, if he dumped the 20 year old and she's already like feeling kind of unstable, like that whole lavish lifestyle is going away. Like she's not getting any of his money. And did she have mental issues before going in the relationship? I mean, honestly, she she could have, if her, if her mom was murdered, murdered at nine years old i'm sure that definitely takes a huge toll on a person's like mental health you know and like if you get a taste of money you know people get sucked into that real quick you know Mm -hmm. and maybe she didn't want to lose the lifestyle she didn't want to go back to being just a waitress at a bar you know what i mean like oh hell no you know you promised me this and you promised me that and but I mean, even if they broke up, bitch, you got a Cadillac Escalade. Right. Like, just yeah, move on. Yeah. Like, you did okay. It's not a bad breakup. <laughs> right. Especially at 20 years old, you got a lot. Oh my God, at 20 go. years old, I was driving like a Ford Tempo that was like a 1980 something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She definitely so, had a very nice. Seriously. Very nice uh, car. You're doing okay in the, in the vehicle department. Right. Yeah, so who and nobody will probably really know what actually caused that situation to happen. You know, if, if it was like a murder-suicide, who knows what led up to it. I mean, honestly, what if he had the gun and was trying to like hurt her and then maybe she got a hold of it? And then killed him and then freaked out and then killed herself. Like, there's so many different things that could have happened. Yep. Not saying that the missus didn't do it. I'm just saying I kind of lean more that the 20-year-old was probably just unstable-ish. Yeah, right. Um, It's a sad story all around. You know, now these babies got to grow up without a dad, you know. Um, 
And I'm sorry that today is a bad day for football players. I know. <laughs> um, I promise they're not all that way. Right. We just we just picked a couple. Yeah, a couple of them that. And then honestly, some... it's not really well. We're on the fence with Sean, but if it is true that Marnie is actually guilty, then it's not necessarily the football players. It's their bad choice in mistresses. True. That's very true. Yeah. So they need, I mean, with Sean, he had apparently like 17 different ones. So odds were kind of stacked against him to, for them all to be like wonderful people. I mean, I wouldn't think they would go as far as murder, but like, you know, you never know. And if you don't know, now you know. Now you know. But we really don't know, so. And I don't know if we'll ever know. <laughs> but, yeah, that's this has been uh, a crazy world when in the sports edition of HWC on ESPN Live. <laughs> you just sponsor us. Could you imagine? <laughs> but on that note, we've kept you here. It's over an hour. Time flies when you're having fun. Yes, it does. Um, we got to go. Stay creepy, guys. Stay creepy and if you throw a boomerang at yourself, hit up your insurance. That is the takeaway. I love that roundabout that you did from the beginning to the end. Yes. If you and see me at the store buying a boomerang, don't ask any questions. And maybe don't be a football mistress unless you're fully stable. I like it. Yeah. Okay. Good well, advice. We will see you next week on the HWC, all new episode coming straight at you from whatever Crystal brings to the table, but we're going to buckle up and we're here for it. All right, guys. Until then. I already said stay go. creepy, so. And I already Bye. said we got to go, so let's just. <laughs> let's just go. Just go in. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Get the fuck out. <laughs>